Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking nine common sense fitness habits. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 99 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, we are talking nine common sense fitness habits. I kind of feel like at this point, if you've been listening to our podcast or listening to any notable speaker, author, podcaster, Instagrammer, anybody that really knows what they're talking about, these things should be common sense to you, but we are going to talk about them and give you the rundown of Things that really, if if you're currently not doing it and it's not common sense to you, maybe you'll start implementing it now and it will help you along the way. So with that being said, Nicole, we'll just jump right into habit number one, which is stop eating at 80% full. And I this is something that I really want to elaborate on because I think, Nicole, this is something early on in my career that I didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how do you tell people to eat or stop eating at 80% full? Like, what does that really mean? Okay. And I think now it's more so just really don't eat until you're full, especially if we're talking fat loss journey. Mm -hmm. Just I think oftentimes people think that they either A, need to finish what's on their plate or B, they really need to eat to capacity. Mm hmm. And I think oftentimes people either eat to capacity or beyond. And this is a common habit. And I think that we've created this in our culture because we are a society and by society, I'm talking about here in America, we're a society of get what you pay for large portions. I can almost guarantee that every time you're eating out, you're getting way too much food and way too many calories. Mm hmm. And we've become so accustomed to that, that we've lost a sense of when we should stop eating. Yeah. And it should be common sense that we shouldn't eat until we're full. We should stop around 80 percent. Here's the thing, though. I also think people are afraid to feel hungry or or get uncomfortable feeling hungry because they either eat past their fullness or they have long periods of time in between food. I think they're eating to catch up. Like you eat, you have people skipping breakfast, intermittent fasting, like we're shifting feed times all around. And so I think that also plays a part in whether you're actually emotionally hungry or physically hungry for food, which I would also say is part of what you're actually hungry for. So are you really hungry for food or are there other things in life that you, and we talk about this in well, primary foods all the time. That's a little, that's a little different than right. What we're talking about when we're just like, we're just saying in general, right? Cause the emotional piece. Yeah. There's definitely something there and people definitely tend to overeat when they're emotionally eating versus when mm -hmm. they're, you know, actually hungry. Right. And they need to be in touch with those cues and those triggers and, and what's emotionally triggering them. I get that. But just from a standpoint of day to day eating, 
Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. If you were to portion out your food to the quantities, like if you took your calories for the entire day yes, and then you broke that down into calories per meal and let's say my point, let's say this, let's say each meal was about three to 400 calories Mm -hmm. right now that can be either more filling or less filling, but that's usually for most people going to put you at about 80% if you're Mm -hmm. eating in a deficit, breaking down those calories in that way. And that's what that feels like. So I think people also what they need to acknowledge is this. And this is one of the questions that I often ask people in coaching when we talk biofeedback. Mm -hmm. Are you hungry immediately after your meal? Are you still hungry? Mm -hmm. And the answer, if you're in a deficit, should be yes. The answer, if you're in maintenance, should probably also be yes. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Because 20 minutes later, then I asked the, the follow up question 20 to 30 minutes later. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. I'm full 20 to 30 minutes later. OK, before your next meal, leading up to your next meal, 20 to 30 minutes prior to that. How are you feeling? I'm starting to get hungry. Right. So it's about relying on these hunger cues where your body's telling you. And now you have some control over these cues. The way that you eat is going to dictate some of these cues and how your body tells you on a schedule 20 okay 20 to 30 minutes before you eat if you eat at the same time every day 20 to 30 minutes before you eat your body's going to say hey i'm a little bit hungry it's almost time to eat yeah well i but that's what i mean by people who are, i think are afraid to feel hungry there there's a level of surfing you're describing surfing that hunger like 20 to 30 minutes after your meal 20 to 30 minutes before the next meal like actually stopping and pausing to ask yourself those questions I think people get nervous to feel hungry because then there's this out of control feeling of not being able to like hold off till the next meal. And I think there's just so many deeper layers to a physical hunger. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you on everything. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you're somebody who is, I'll kind of put it like this. If you're somebody who is really trying to go into a calorie deficit, produce some weight loss, some fat loss and not really have to rely on tracking. I think that this is an excellent tool to use is saying, hey, I'm going to stop eating at 80% full. If you are eating predominantly whole foods, yes, that's where this is going to work for you. If you're eating refined processed foods, your 80% is going to be far different. You can stop at 80% full and still be calorically in 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 a huge surplus. So we're talking if you're taking a whole food approach, whole food strategy, and you're stopping at 80% full, you may never even have to touch a food journal, mm-hmm. right? If you're focused on the other components Quality. that we're focused on, which we're going to get into in a moment. Do you have anything else you want to add on that? No, I think I think everything you're saying is true. I, I mean, I obviously agree. So I think you just have to really be in tune to your own body and everybody's 80% is, may feel a little bit different. Listen, I think the biggest common sense piece to this is you don't want to eat until you have to unbutton your pants. Exactly. Yes. That's and oftentimes, sad, yeah. oftentimes people do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Common sense habit number two. And Nicole hates the way that I'm wording this, but I'm going to word it this way anyway. Follow a predominantly plant based diet. And Nicole thinks that that kind of sounds a little kind of veganish. So I, we, I do want to elaborate here. You always make it sound like I'm such a hater. I don't you're hate ha- it. You're, I, you're I'm a hater. Not a on this hater. No, I'm just saying that plant-based approach to food, 
I, if you said eat mostly vegetables, then I'm 100% behind that. But I think when people hear mostly plant-based diet, they think vegetarian, vegan, and not that that's bad either. Like, let's let me be clear. So no one gets hating on me. That's fine too. But I think, you know, I don't think, I, I mean, the, the amount of times during the day with coaching clients that I talk about, did I ask how many vegetables did you get in today? Are you eating vegetables? Where are your vegetables in your food logs? Where are your vegetables this week? What happened to vegetables this week? I mean, yeah, but you're coaching, you're coaching predominantly plant-based without I saying. Exactly. So I'm not, don't throw hate on me. I'm just saying I word it differently in my coaching, but I agree with you that I think it's because so many people don't eat enough vegetables that that's why, I mean, this is obviously a common sense one to us, but I will admit a lot of my clients have a really hard time creating that this one is really hard. Oh my God, Nicole, I, I just can't, I don't like them. They don't taste good. I don't, they're not easily to find, easy to find, which is such crap. Like I never take that. But they're the first thing you see when you walk in the grocery store. I, I know, but they take work. Like if you if you're getting vegetables that you have to clean and wash and chop and, you know, you know what? Time. Here's what I'll say about that statement right there that they take work. We again, we've become so accustomed to convenience yes. and not work like convenience is one of the things that makes us fat. Period. The end. Right. Yeah. If you're mm -hmm. looking for convenience, that is what is making. A, listen, McDonald's is one of the most convenient inventions ever yeah. creation. <laughs> like and it is one of the things that makes us fat. I don't I'm not going to sit here and shit on McDonald's and say I've never eaten McDonald's. But the convenience of going through a drive through and just picking mm -hmm. something up. This is why America's fat. The convenience of a processed food that comes in a package that you don't need to store or refrigerate. Right. It's mm -hmm. it's non it's not a, uh, a perishable item. This is what makes us fat. So if you're looking for convenience, then just keep in mind that you're going to pay for that convenience to some degree. And the unfortunate piece is, to be honest, some people pay more than others. I mean, some people are just more genetically predispositioned to pay for that convenience. And that that's a, a very unfortunate thing. But I really think that we need to flip the dialogue and, and stop thinking of, oh, well, it's so hard. I have to wash it. I have to cut it. I have to listen. I can make veggies in 15, 20 minutes yeah. tops and it's 15, 20 minutes out of my day. And if you can't pick 15, 20 minutes out of your day to prep some veggies, I, I don't know what to say at that point. Right. You well, need I to have... shift the perspective. Yeah. And there's other strategies like Listen, you go into the grocery store now, they're already pre-cut options, veggies, packaged lettuce and salad types. I mean, at this point, I don't take when I say I don't really listen to that anymore. It's there's so many other options. Listen, you go to the frozen food section, and get the frozen veggie packs that you can pop in the a steamables. microwave. Yep. The steamables like it's four minutes. Like, so I don't I don't want to I you know, I'm not, I'm not a very good listener when it comes to that stuff with my clients. But at the same time. That's also quick and easy options too. Like there's so many ways that you can get veggies in. Yeah. And listen, you learn how to cook them. You find new recipes. It, that is part of, yeah. you have to enjoy the journey. And yeah, that's part of enjoying the journey is really appreciating new flavors, mm -hmm. the ability Mixture. to learn how to cook, mm -hmm. trying new fruits and vegetables. That's one thing that I've always said, even when I was running courses with the CrossFits way back when, when I, one of the, one of the steps was, I want you to try a new veggie. And I want you to add that into your food journal mm -hmm. or a new fruit 
right? Try star fruit if you've never had one. I mean, that's something that's like uncommon. I'd say, okay, go grab it off the shelf and try it out. Yeah. Um, from the plant-based approach, what I'll say is, again, when it comes to, let, let's say you're somebody who doesn't really want to track in a food journal, mm-hmm. uh, because this is something that I think I've encountered a lot as of recently. And it's something that as a coach, it was a barrier for me because I'm, I've always been the, just log in a food journal. You have the numbers there. It's, it's just easier to track data and look at what numbers we need to move around. But it took me a while as a coach to say, and Nicole, it took me conversations with you too, where mm-hmm. I'm like, Nicole, how do I kind of do this without forcing food journals on people? And so, you know, this is one way where I say, okay, well, you can fill up the majority of your plate. You can feel more satiated. Mm-hmm. You're able to eat more without having to track it because getting more vegetables in, getting more produce uh, means more volume for less calories, but it also means a bigger bang for your buck in terms of nutrient density. Yes. The other piece to plants is also your whole grains, right? You also Mm -hmm. want to look at your whole grains, your, uh, your starches, your potatoes, things of that. That's also plants, but obviously we're talking, you want to have mostly vegetables and then some plants. Now, this is a way where you can reduce your calories. And this, what I'll say about this, Nicole is This is the one thing that I always liked about paleo is because it was all about real food. It was all about having whole foods and just made the way that we designed it when we were doing it with the CrossFit back in the day was we would say you want to have predominantly vegetables and without before people even tracked a macronutrient, it would usually I'm not saying always because you can overeat really anything. But if you're focused on mostly fruits and vegetables for your carbohydrates, it's very easy to put yourself in a calorie deficit Mm -hmm. because you're not eating those an abundance of starches, an abundance of sugar, an abundance of processed food. Yeah. I think it's like even paleo, like I hate labels on food. I get getting to the point in my career where I can't stand it. Yeah. I'm just using it as an example. I know, but just like the reason why I, I mean, I love, having the options with clients. I Some love to journal, some like to write it on paper, and some just want to go, Nicole, what do I need to get into the day? I say, if you, can you have a protein where I know we're going to get to protein soon? Protein at three of your meals a day, at two of your meals have vegetables, and at one of your meals or a snack in between, if there's snacks involved, get a fruit in. It's so much easier. You can just count, like literally, I got uh, spinach in my smoothie in the for my snack. I had uh, asparagus at dinner and I had a, a salad, a side salad or a full salad with my protein for lunch. Like that, that all that counts and it's easy. And it, then the, it takes the barrier of entry down when people say, well, if I have to track in a food journal, I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, okay, no problem. We can still be successful. And I started just playing around with that with clients because I'm just honestly, as a coach, I'm really sick and tired of the excuses. I'm sick and tired of hearing vegetables are too hard. Whoa, protein. buddy. Yeah, listen, it's true. It's true. I don't want to hear any of that. I'll move things around and make it so easy for you that you can be successful. That's my my whole my whole pitch now. Let's just get it done. I don't want to hear all the shh. Well, listen, the reality is that the easier we can make it as coaches, the you know, more successful they become. It may take a little bit longer because we have to play around with stuff, but I have to be honest, it's definitely it's a lot easier than fighting with people over tracking food. 
You know, I will say I love a good client who tracks their food journal and just gets Listen, right to results. I do too. It's easy. They hold themselves accountable. They're spot on. Trust me, I have great clients on all in in any aspect of the way I've been getting people to pay attention to their food. It it all works. And I guess from a coaching standpoint, if there are coaches listening to our podcast, you have to be able to be flexible to get them to learn, to get some of these basic common habits you know, underway and however you can get them to do it where they can learn, grow and get results is super important. All right. Number three, I'll start with the quote that I have here that we've mentioned mm-hmm. that, for, that from the uh, Museum of Natural History. <laughs> the chemistry that builds and sustains life requires a fluid medium in which atoms and molecules can react for all known forms of life. Liquid water provides that environment. With that being said, hydration. The general recommendation for water is half your body weight in ounces. Now, why I use that quote, because that quote kind of keys you into all the metabolic reactions happening in our body occur in a fluid based medium. I've I've said this once and I'll, I'll say it again. If you're an athlete and you're working out or just a gym goer working out, it's really important for you to stay hydrated from a metabolic standpoint. Uh, in terms of breaking down fatty acids to be used for energy, breaking down carbohydrates to either store them or use them for energy, breaking down fat to store it as well, right? Mm-hmm. Breaking down protein into amino acids and then resynthesizing them into muscle, right? All of these things happen in a fluid-based medium. If you are at in a 2% reduction or if you're dehydrated by 2%, that can lead to a 10% reduction in performance in the gym. So it's super vital, super important, and super obvious and common sense that you should be staying hydrated. And the general recommendation is half your body weight in ounces per day. Now, I will say if you are on an individual who is on the heavier side, higher body fat, fat mass doesn't require as much water as muscle. Um, So if you have a higher body fat percentage, you might want to adjust a little bit. But for the most part, you know, anybody with average body fat, the recommendation is half your body weight in ounces per day. Again, simple, easy there. I I was walking through um, a store the other day, like not a grocery store and the water bottle, like count, like there was a counter with all these water bottles. And so I was just walking through looking at the price of all the water bottles. And it's pretty incredible that you now can literally go anywhere like CVS, TJ Maxx. There's a whole section. There is an entire section of water bottles that they are now marketing as some range from like five bucks, some to 25 to $40 for a water bottle. And I just keep telling clients, I'm like, if you don't get the marketing here, this is what people are trying to rope you in. I think I've paid, I think I paid like 30, (laughs) 30 bucks for my uh, Camelback stainless steel and it's lasted me for i've had it for like four years now yeah i was just gonna say that's how important water is is that no matter where you go now there's a a cool way to carry your water (laughs) yeah here's what i'll say nicole is what i don't like is when people say you can't flavor your water or uh or seltzer bubbly water doesn't yeah it doesn't count yeah if it's water if it's fluid and you're getting it into your body I don't really care what you need to do to get it in. If you need to flavor it, then go ahead and flavor it. If you like, I, I like drinking one of my favorite things. And my everyone around me is like bougie Daron over here. <laughs> I go out and I when I have dinner, I don't drink. Right. 
so when people around me are drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll just take a Pellegrino. And they're like, ooh, Daron Pellegrino. Pellegrino is like the perfect seltzer or the sparkling water, we call it, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like half the amount of bubbles as regular seltzer. And the bubbles mm-hmm. are a little smaller. It's just the per- it's so perfect for my palate. <laughs> so you are bougie <laughs> in any case. I count that as my water yeah. intake. Mm-hmm. If it's well, what, what, what are we talking here? We're, t- we're talking bubbles in your water. What's the yeah. difference? Well, that's what I mean by people. I feel people, like everybody makes excuses like it or it maybe excuses the wrong word, but there there's always like an, a reason why they can't. Well, I, I, can I have it because it has bubbles? Yes, you can. Well, well but here's like, the, you know what here's I mean? The like thing. I, I think. I think there are so many people and influencers that are just complicating this whole thing. Yes. Just drink more fluid, period, yeah. the end. The only thing I will say is try to make sure your fluid isn't sweetened with lots of sugar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't be pounding down Gatorades all day if you're trying to be in a calorie deficit because then you're just drinking your calories. Don't yeah. drink soda all day because then you're just drinking your calories. Right. Yeah. That th- those should be obvious. But you know, where people complicate things and they're like, oh, well, you shouldn't flavor your water because flavoring your water means that you're craving something else. And it's like, no, it doesn't. It means that you enjoy flavor. <laughs> yeah. And that you're trying to get your water in. That's a good way to say it, though. It's th- they making it harder than it really needs to be. Like, it's so simple and so basic. Just drink the water. Find a way to get it in. All right. Moving along. Okay. Number four. And if you don't know by now, after <laughs> listening to this podcast, 99 episodes in (laughs) if you want to build muscle, if you want to lose body fat, protein is one of the most important things. The range of protein is going to be 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram. So typically what I say is if you're in a calorie surplus or maintenance, 1.6 to 2.0 is good. If you are in a calorie deficit, you want to increase your protein a little bit more. So 2.0 to 2.2 grams per kilogram, just so that that's going to be Uh, protein sparing, and you are not going to lose muscle tissue or you're going to minimize loss of muscle tissue because that's something that you are kind of in danger of when you are in a calorie deficit and you want to preserve as much lean mass as you can to keep your resting metabolic rate elevated. Uh, That is what the science says in terms of quantity of protein. Protein is also the most satiating macronutrient. Protein is going to keep you full for longer. And the thermic effect of food, which is how many calories it takes to break down, digest, and absorb each macronutrient uh, is, is highest for protein. So you're going to burn more calories eating protein than you are any other macronutrient, carbs or fat. Protein is, is going to be one of the most important things. I don't care what your goal is. Eat more protein. I don't think we need to beat that one anymore. Yeah, we, we, beat, beat. we beat it all the time. <laughs> Moving along, and this should be common sense, is you should follow a regimented workout routine. And that should be if it's two days a week or three days a week. I always say three to five, Mm -hmm. maybe three to six. But I I like to see a minimum of three days a week of activity. I think that that is going to produce a pretty decent change. I think less than that, it's going to be kind of difficult to really see the outcomes that you want at the pace that you want to see those outcomes. Yeah. Uh, And I also from what I know about stimulating muscle protein synthesis and either maintaining or building muscle, it would be wise to train at least three days a week so that you're able to hit multiple body parts 
throughout those days of the week and adequately stimulate muscle protein synthesis in each of those muscle groups at multiple intervals throughout the week and just really optimize and capitalize on that opportunity. I think this is a miss for some people, Nicole, where we've coached some individuals and one week they're working out, the next week they're not. And then one week they're working out again, then they take two weeks off. Listen, you're not going to get the results that you're looking for if you aren't consistent Mm -hmm. with your workout routine, which is going to be number six. So we'll just combine five and six right now. Mm -hmm. You need to be consistent with your workout routine and you also need to be consistent with your habits. It's not enough to just assume I did it for a week. Why am I not getting results? You need to do these things over and over and over and over again. Yeah. The consistency piece, we've talked about it a lot, but I do still think it's something that, you know, it takes practice. I always say that to clients, like your consistency is going to take practice. Things are going to push and pull you away from your commitment or priority to getting your workouts in, but you have to, you have to figure it out. Listen, here's the deal. If you didn't consistently go to work every day, would you expect the same (laughs) fucking paycheck, right? No, you'd be fired eventually, right? So why are you thinking that you're going to get the same outcome? In every other area of your life, in order to progress, you need to be consistent in some way, shape, or form, right? You want to raise, you want a promotion at work. You need to be a consistently performing employee, Mm -hmm. right? You need to be a, a consistent high performer, and earn that right. And and the same thing applies to your fitness. You need to consistently perform these tasks each and every single day. You need to get adequate sleep. You need to get adequate calories. You need to get adequate protein. You need to not eat too much sugar. You need to drink adequate water. You need to eat adequate veggies, right? All of these things Mm -hmm. you need to, you can't just do them once. In order to get results in any facet of life, you're going to need to be consistent with it. It's as if like, you know, I I look, I talk about school all the time. If you're going to school and you're not consistently studying, you're not going to get consistently high grades. Yeah. Right. So I just, you know, it boggles my mind. And this is the expectation. The expectation. Right. And it's like, you're, this is what I mean by common sense. Like this is common sense (laughs) that if you do the work on a consistent basis and you consistently get results. Now I'm not saying that you're not going to plateau at some point you are going to plateau and you might have to pivot, but that's besides the point, right? But there's consistency in that as well. Like you are going to plateau, not kind of you will. And you, and you consistently have to pivot, which is also part of the consistency piece. Or you just have to stay consistent through that plateau and eventually the weight's going to drop or increase or whatever your goal is. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't get it sometimes. Well, the common sense part, I think, gets lost in what you were saying before. There's either a lot of too much information, like information overload. Clients come in with all these like huge questions. Like this week for me was a doozy. Like I got some big questions like bubbly water was actually one of them, which is funny that you bring that up. But I'm like, guys, you aren't even showing up for your workouts three days a week. We don't have to worry about. We don't like, have to. Do, yeah, we don't have to have a conversation. We don't about have to worry water about if you haven't worked out. Yeah. Or wrist straps for your deadlifts or, you know, I mean, the type of shoes that you're lifting in, like, calm down, like just come in and get the workouts in. Like we need to take it all down a notch. Couple well, of notches. I, I think oftentimes with that conversation, Nicole, is that. People just want that extra edge before they're even focusing on the basics. 
Exactly. And that's my whole point where, you know, there are some weeks, I'll be honest, I get kind of like, stop worrying about the things that are on Instagram and TikTok and all these places that they see all this stuff. You know, I'm like, just take a chill pill. You got to understand do these you, well, things. Here's the thing. You got to understand something about Instagram is a lot of people that are posting on Instagram. Not everybody. There are some good people who are posting excellent, really Great good stuff. quality yeah. content. Um, eat right nutrition included. But what I'll say is this. A lot of people are posting things for likes, right? When you see fancy exercises yes, all over Instagram, they're posting the, these things for likes. When you see some shit that is boring, Jor Jordan, Syatt, Jordan Syatt just did something about uh, doing uh, chest press on a stability ball. And he's like, why the fuck would you do that? Just use a bench. Whatever your thoughts or anybody else's thoughts are about using stability balls. The reality is what the message that he's trying to get at is just do the basics and you'll get the results, right? Yeah. I have never, and, and I'll, I'll say this, I've never for myself used a stability ball to try and build my chest. I, I think that a stability ball chest press is going to take away from my, you know, you got to try and activate your core, your glutes, right? You're not going to be strong in doing that exercise. So I do agree. Why not just use a bench? You're going to build muscle more efficiently. And if your goal is fat loss, then, you know, building and maintaining muscle, like we say all the time is that's that's one of the goals. But what you have to realize is that the basics are what works and the stuff that looks cool, that just works for likes. Yeah, I think it's the um, I agree with him, actually. <laughs> well, I think it's just simply, you know, I, I talk about boredom. People get bored really easily when we do the basics or we're performing the basics or we're following a common sense program. People can get bored. They get bored eating vegetables. They get bored eating kind of the same, not same things, but vegetables are vegetables. They're always going to be present in your food plan. And so is water. And so is showing up your workouts. And that kind of, that consistency, I think leads to, well, should I be doing something else? Well, should I be doing more? Well, if I use the stability ball, will it get me there faster? Nicole, if I use lifting shoes, will it make me squat better? And I'm like, you can't even squat right now. Like, let's just focus on the basics. Can you just squat? But I, I mean, I understand in, in defense of my clients, I understand the like need to look deeper and find, you know, want to know the answer to things. So it's not that I don't like questions like that. I just find that it's the thing that always the common sense piece gets like left behind. And I'm like, okay, I find myself having to explain things like that over and over again. And what that does is it pulls us away from some of these basic things that we're talking about today. And I feel like it sometimes becomes a waste of time. Like if you just stayed focused on this stuff, we get there faster. And instead I have to like keep reiterating, nope, so-and-so on TikTok is well, not going to get you there. Here's what I'll say is, and we've talked about this, Nicole, that the long way is the fast way. Yeah, exactly. because when you start looking to at things on mm -hmm. the outside that are, quote unquote, shortcuts, and then you start yeah. going towards towards those, you end up back where you started and you end up having to take the long way anyway. So you end yeah. up just taking a detour that takes you back to the beginning and then you have to take the path that we were going to take to begin with. So you might as well just take the path that we're going to take to begin with anyway and just suck it up and deal with the long road.
Yeah, no, I, I get, I totally agree. And I, like I said, I, I try really hard to be compassionate, listen to my clients because I know Instagram and TikTok and all these social media platforms, it's not that I don't like them. Again, no hate. It's just that I find that sometimes they make things more complicated because people get really confused and don't understand some of the basics or think that there's going to be, you know, there's more to what so-and-so is saying. So. All right, moving along. Number seven valuing energy intake and food as fuel to some extent. Now, I, I'm going to kind of put a, a disclaimer on this that I don't think that food should entirely be viewed as fuel. I think that that is a very difficult lifestyle. And I was going to say horrible lifestyle, but I don't think it's horrible. I just think it's a very difficult lifestyle. I think that, you know, makes me think about bodybuilding. Um, and I think old me as a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. Nicole, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, because I know that you have experience with competing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think old me as a bodybuilder coming into this industry, I was always like, well, just food is fuel and it doesn't matter what it tastes like. You just got to get it down. Me today wants to enjoy food more and figure out ways to get the results that I want while still enjoying my food. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what my clients want as well. And I think that that is the more sustainable way to approach this. So I don't want it to sound like food is fuel and that's all it is because it's not. Food is also uh, part of social gatherings. Food is also part of comfort. And sometimes we eat emotionally and that doesn't necessarily always have to be a bad thing. Sometimes that can be a good thing. So just kind of putting that disclaimer out there. But we do also want to look at the energy that is in our food and really have an understanding for what we're doing here, right? And understand that what you're eating is going to contribute to whatever your goal is. If you want Mm -hmm. to maintain, you're going to have to eat in uh, caloric maintenance where your calories in or your energy in is going to match your energy out. Mm -hmm. If you want to lose weight, you need to eat in a calorie deficit where your energy in is less than the energy out. Mm -hmm. And if you want to gain weight and increase lean muscle mass, then you want to eat in a place where you're eating more calories than you're expending. And that's just simple, basic math. And that is the underlying principle for all of fat loss. It's SECO, right? It's Mm -hmm. or not even just all fat loss, just eating towards your goals, right? Mm -hmm. Calories in versus calories out. Uh, And I think that there's a misconception with the concept of SECO that, you know, I remember, Nicole, a while ago, we talked about I don't know, it was like a Vox article or something where it was like, mm-hmm. what is the Seco diet? Does it really work? Well, Seco diet is not a diet. It's just a concept of basic law of thermodynamics, right? Yeah. And I think we need to understand that. And we also do need to have an appreciation for the energy that's within our food and still be able to consume it while understanding and, and learning that and knowing that, oh, well, a gram of fat is going to be higher in calories because one gram of fat equals nine calories versus a gram of protein and a gram of carbs, which is four calories. It's not saying the fat Mm -hmm. is bad. It's just saying that, you know, I do know some people that eat in excess of calories because they eat a a really high fat diet. And for those people, they may benefit from learning that there are a lot more calories in a gram of fat than there are in anything else. And maybe they just need to shift their macronutrient composition a little bit and they'll Mm -hmm. be more successful along their journey. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I've lived in every, I've lived in severe deprivation and some deprivation and 
maintenance and surplus. Like I've lived in every space and I, I really encourage people to be flexible in feeling out what it's like to do both or do all. Like I say this to people all the time. They're like, uh, you know, if, if you have, if you've never really not, if you've never really understood what it's like to be hung, really hungry, like show prep, we'll talk about that. I was so hungry. Like it was, it was awful. And it wasn't even that it was bad food. I just wasn't happy with, I was eating foods that were being told, I was being told to eat versus eating foods that I really loved to eat. When I realized I could still eat foods that I love to eat and be in a calorie deficit, that's a whole different way of living. And I still had a great physique. Like I still hit my goal. So I think for our listeners, you have to you have to be willing. I say the word flexible, but that's what I mean to maybe try different aspects of things and not be so scared to make changes so that you can actually see what feels best and what works best for you. Some people thrive in different situations. You got to know yourself. You know what? Actually, Nicole, you would be proud because I've always been the person to say, and I still do believe to some extent there are some foods that some people might need to leave out of the house because mm-hmm. they're too tempting for them. Yeah. Um, but I found these cookies. I knew you were going to say the word cookies. I love cookies. I found <laughs> these cookies at Whole Foods and five of them mm-hmm. is 150 calories. So I found yeah. a way to work them into my day where I'm like, cool, I'm just going to save 150 calories for these cookies. And that's what I mean is that I'm viewing these cookies and I'm saying, okay, well, the energy in these cookies is 150 calories. Mm-hmm. I don't care to look at the carbs or fat in those cookies. Yeah. What I know is that I want to have them And so I'm going to work them into my day and work them into my deficit. And I'm still going to be successful. And that's what I mean is that you want to have an appreciation for the energy in the food and then figure out how you're going to fit that in. Maybe it's not going to fit. Maybe there are too many calories in that food and it doesn't fit for you, right? Maybe you want it because the trade-off is going to be well, that's not going to be satiating enough to justify the calories, right? right. And, and you're constantly playing this game with, okay, well, is this going to work? Is this going to fit into my plan? Or maybe you want to save it for a day where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do a refeed or a diet break mm-hmm. and I'm going to eat it on that day because I really want to have this thing, right? So there are ways to fit things in, but you need to have an understanding and an appreciation for energy content within food. Yes. Uh, So, and by the way, I am proud of you. So for any of our listeners that I don't know what episode it was, but we talked about before Daron not being able to have cookies in the house because he can't turn them down. And I was like, you need to fix that. That was probably episode one through 98. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Moving along, move more. And this goes kind of with the uh, follow a regimented workout routine. But I, I think it's common sense that we, that moving during your workout for an hour a day is not enough. And we've talked about this when we talk about neat mm-hmm. and eat, right? So neat is not exercise activity thermogenesis and eat is exercise activity thermogenesis. And your exercise activity thermogenesis accounts for 10% of your daily energy expenditure and your non-exercise activity thermogenesis accounts for 20%. Your non-exercise activity, the reason why it's higher for your non-exercise activity thermogenesis is because it just accounts for more total hours, right? You're working harder in a small concentrated amount of time, that one hour workout, but it only accounts for 10% versus 20% because it's an hour versus let's say an additional, let's say you have 16 waking hours 
one hour is your workout, 15 is your neat, right? So it makes more sense that we need to move outside of just that workout and we're going to expend a lot more calories. So walking up the stairs, taking the stairs, parking further away from the, the grocery store or whatever, where from you're from work, right? Parking in like the last parking space. Uh, you know, even little things that, you know, I think people are lazy pieces of shit when they do this, they leave their shopping cart near their car in the, in the grocery (laughs) store, right? Little things like taking that shopping cart and returning it, right? Those are a few extra steps. That's more movement throughout the day, making sure, especially now in the summertime, you're getting out in the sun, you're walking, walk the dog, take the dog for an extra walk, all of these things, right? You need to find ways to move more not even from a a fat loss or weight loss standpoint, but from a mental health standpoint, Mm -hmm. from, from a just general feelings of well-being, I think it's really important. I think we were designed to move and it's important to move. Yeah. Well, you know, I talk about walking all the time. I walk every day. I think it's epic. 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 You have to do it. If you're not doing a before work walk or an after dinner walk, you got our, but in, at lunch, walk something, you have got to get up and move, especially for clients that are sitting in front of a computer all day long. Okay. Number nine, focus on recovery over training. And this is, you know, it's, this is an interesting one. Uh, I remember when I worked in the supplement store way back when the uh, regional sales director came up to me and he said, Darone, he said, D that's what they used to call me there. He said, D what was your pr- prioritize a pre-workout supplement or a post-workout supplement? And I said, a post-workout supplement. And he's like, why? And I'm like, because recovery is more important than training. And I think oftentimes it's evident in people's supplement cabinets, Mm -hmm. what they're prioritizing. If they have a pre-workout, but they don't have anything for Mm post-workout. And I'm not anti-pre-workout. I love pre-workouts. There are certain pre-workouts that I think are are really good. They give you a nice boost. I don't think people should be necessarily taking pre-workouts every single day and relying on them as a crutch. Um, But I do think that post-workout recovery and focus on recovery overall is more important than your training because that's when you're building muscle. That's when you're repairing. That's when you're building more resilience. When you're sleeping, that's when you're increasing your growth hormone, testosterone, when you're repairing lean muscle tissue, right? So recovery is more important. And I think oftentimes, Nicole, we see this evident in individuals that overtrain that are like, I work out seven days a week and I do high intensity interval training and I do all these group fitness classes, right? That's the focus on doing the work, but the recovery is going to get you there. And again, like I said before, don't be afraid to take the long route. Because the long route is the shortcut. When you overtrain and you're constantly focused on training and you're not focusing on recovery, you're going to end up having a setback of having to take an unwanted break Mm -hmm. for a period of a few months. And that's going to stall your progress. Yeah, exactly. So take the long route and focus on your recovery. I mean, we've got so much focus nowadays, Nicole, on recovery, even kind of stuff that I'm like, it's not really entirely necessary. Like, People look at like foam rolling for recovery. Great. Or people look at, oh, well, I'm going to do a a cryotherapy session. Right. And I'm like, well, you're getting four hours of sleep every night and you're talking about (laughs) cryotherapy for recovery. I haven't looked at any science on cryotherapy. I don't know whether it's good or bad. I'll have to dive into it at some point. But what I do know is oftentimes that that a, a lot of people are focused on these little nuances, these things that are, you know, like they're they're 
oh, well, this is cutting edge for recovery. Well, that's and- what I'm talking about when I was saying it earlier about like the kind of the shiny new penny things like they're they'll, they're willing to spend money to do those things. And I'm like, just go get a massage. Oh, or- I'm going to build a sauna in my backyard. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> you're going to fucking spend like 10, 15, 20 grand on a sauna mm-hmm. and you don't even get a good night's sleep. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, it's the basics and the common sense stuff. It really works. And again, you have to consistently do it in order to see results. And instead of consistently doing it, people are like, well, what's the fastest way to get there? What's the quickest way? Or what will help me get there faster? What's the little, like the thing that I can do that will give me that edge? And I'm like, nothing, just chill out and live life and enjoy hard work, dedication. Yeah. Right. Put your head down, do the work. And like I said, take the long road. So Mm -hmm. that's our 99th episode. And I I think it's important to kind of put some perspective on these things, because I do think that these things, if they're not common sense, they should be common sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to focus on recovery. You need to focus on getting adequate protein. You need to focus on getting adequate hydration. You need to follow a predominantly plant-based approach where you're eating lots and lots of veggies and you're eating a huge variety of vegetables. And you need to really focus on consistently following a program and really understanding, like we said, the, uh, the value of the energy that you're consuming. Um, I think all of these things are basic fundamentals that you can use and apply today to get you closer to where you want to go. And with that being said, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 